So this is uh, our believers meeting January 30th, 2021. Um, and let's turn in the word to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. We're going to talk about covenant protection. Does that interest anybody? <laughs> it should interest all of us. Amen? Especially in the time that we're living in. So today we're going to talk about God our protector. And in... Uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. I'm sure Christians in every generation have believed that they were living in the last days. Uh, if you go back to Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Peter stood up and said, uh, you know, we're not, we're not drunk. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So this verse implies that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. Uh, if, uh, but whether we're whether we're in the last days or not, our generation is closer to the last days than any other generation has ever been. That's for certain. Um, and we could be in the last of the last days, which I tend to believe myself. It says in the last days, perilous times shall come. Uh, this is something, if God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, we can't just say, well, I rebuke that, and I, <laughs> I don't want perilous times to come. You know what I mean? Uh, this is something, if God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Uh, we can't just, that's something we can't just override with our faith and say, no, I believe the world's going to get safer. No, if God, God says it's, uh, uh, it, it's, perilous times are going to come in the last days, then it is. Now, um, what's another word for perilous? Uh, some of you may have different translations. Uh, I would say a word that kind of covers everything, that kind of encompasses the word perilous would be dangerous. Dangerous times. Um, some other synonyms for the word perilous, if you look, look up this verse in some of the other translations, you'll see the word difficult, terrible, distressing, violent. Does that sound like maybe today? <laughs> uh, some of you may have something different in your translation, but this, this kind of covers some of the, the more modern translations. In the Amplified Classic it says, but understand this, that in the last days will come, set in, perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. 
The world is a very dangerous place to live, and it's not getting any safer. And we're, we're not going to be able to eradicate all the peril and danger from the world because as long as the devil is here and we are here, we're going to be exposed to danger at some time or another. Uh, because of sin and wicked people under the influence of the devil, the world is not going to get safer. But the good news is, the good news is that for God's people, that's us, who are in covenant with him, we can be protected in dangerous and perilous times. So that's what we want to focus on today from the word. We need to have an awareness and a confidence that when we leave home, the Lord is going to protect us in our going out and our coming in. Amen? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So as we hear the word concerning divine protection, uh, then faith is going to come for divine protection. We're going to begin to say it. We're going to begin to expect it. And we're going to ex uh, continue to experience it. Amen? We've all had things happen to us that should not have happened. Uh, you know, several years ago, um, I had this accident in Waterloo Station coming home from work in London and broke the top of uh, my femur. Uh, and uh, the station was packed. Uh, it was near Christmas. It was very dark. All the lights were out except the shops and the Christmas tree. And the trains were up the creek and nobody was leaving the station. And hundreds and hundreds of people continued to come up the escalator from the northern line, which is where I came up. And just a few nights before, they'd had the same problem, and they closed the mainline station, and they wouldn't let anybody up there. But this night, they continued to let people come up. And when I came off the escalator, I was not running, but I was rushing. I was in a hurry. I wanted to catch my train. and. I was kind of dodging people and, you know, it was kind of like this, people, people trying to get to the platforms as well as people trying to come onto the escalators for the subway. So um, as I came to the top of that escalator, I had this prompting in my spirit that I should slow down. And, and I didn't like hear any, nothing, uh, audible words or anything, but I had this prompting, slow down, don't rush. And I just overrode it. I just, I just went on, you know. Uh, and within 30 seconds, this guy, you know, I, I, I was stopping and let people come in front of me and so forth, and I proceeded to kind of walk briskly again, and this guy walked in front of me, and I stopped and I let him go, and I continued, and I did not know, it was dark, he was pulling a suitcase with wheels on it. And it hit me right at the knees. I never saw it, but it, something hit me at the knees, and it literally flipped me up in the air, and I came right down on my left side. And I'm just 
I'm telling you to, to that story uh, that, you know, after that happened, I began to reflect back on kind of how this happened. And I fully believe if I had listened to my spirit, and the, I believe the Holy Spirit was warning me, because he knows what's ahead, you know? And I believe uh, if I had listened to my spirit and I had followed that leading of the Holy Spirit, that would have been avoided. So I'm just sharing that to encourage us all uh, to begin to listen to our spirit and obey these promptings. Because that, that's something I believe that should not have happened. God is faithful to do his part. Uh, but we have to be taught how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And many Christians are not taught that. I was never, ever taught anything like that. And it's only been kind of in recent years that, believe me, after that happened, I began to, <laughs> I began to kind of start studying everything I could hear and listen to on being led by the Holy Spirit because I thought, I'm going to get this. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to get it. And I'm not saying I'm there yet, but believe me, I'm, I'm a lot more aware of listening to my spirit now and, um, and obeying the promptings. You know, when I feel led to slow down, I slow down. You know, I don't just override that and it could be any it could be anything along that line it could be you know don't take this street or take the next turn in or something like that you know so we uh, we just need to uh, learn to be led by the Holy Spirit now let's turn to Psalm 91 we didn't we didn't confess that today because we're going to kind of go through some of the verses here one by one when you start talking about prote divine protection, this is one of the first scriptures that we begin to think about. Uh, so even though we, uh, we live in a terror-filled, curse-filled, crime-filled world, we can be safe and protected in the midst of it. Uh, verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now I'm going to read, uh, at some point here, I'm going to read for, from some other, another translation because it's a bit, bit better, uh, easier, up to date in our modern language. The expanded Bible says, Those who go to God Most High for safety will be protected by the Almighty. Now, that's God's part. That's God's part is to protect us. Amen? He's the protector. He has the power. He has uh, the, the place. He's the most high. He has the ability to protect us. Verse 2. I will say of the Lord... Now this is part of our part. When it comes to divine protection, God has a part and we have a part. And I believe this is something that many Christians do not understand. They just think, well, you know, it's up to God. He'll protect me. And it kind of doesn't matter what I do or where I go or when I go there or whatever. 
you know, uh, it's, it's part of this sovereignty of God type doctrine that's so popular in some Christian circles where they just say everything's up to God and if it's his will to protect me, I'll be protected. Well, that's not the case. God has a part and we have a part. And part of our part is that we have to say, we have to acknowledge God is the most high. We have to acknowledge him as our God we have to acknowledge him as our defender, our protector, our fortress, and our refuge. Let's say this together. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. Amen. That's part of our part, is saying it. I will say of the Lord what? Let's read uh, verse 2 out loud. I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God, my God in him I will, I will trust. trust. Amen. Yes. The Good News translation says, You are my defender and protector. You are my God. In you I trust. So let's say this together. You are my defender. You are my protector. You are my protector. You are my protector. And you I trust. You are my trust. So this divine uh, protection is is like everything else, you know, that we talk about. It's not just all up to God and it's not just automatic. And this is what many Christians don't understand you know they just kind of want to delegate everything over to God and we're just la la and down here you know and um, it's up to God whether we're protected or not well that's not true that is not true many Christians you know who love God they have the attitude well you know I, I wouldn't want to just presume I, I I wouldn't want to say God would protect me. That would just kind of be presumptuous, you know. He, he might, it might not be his will to protect me all the time. I mean, you know, this is, this is the attitude some Christians have. How many times have you heard somebody give a testimony and they would say, well, you know, if it hadn't been for that car wreck, and if I hadn't have gone to the hospital, that person wouldn't have witnessed to me and I wouldn't have gotten saved. They're glorifying this car wreck as somehow the will of God and this car wreck was necessary for them to get saved. No, I can guarantee you God had been trying to get their attention a long time. Uh, he probably had person after person over the years witnessing to them and they didn't pay any attention and when they were in a car wreck and flat on their back in the hospital they finally started giving some attention to God and God sent somebody in there to witness to them and all of a sudden they were in a position to hear and listen so the, the purpose of that car wreck wasn't to get them saved the devil used a car wreck to try to kill them before they could get saved. That's the truth. So we can all look back on our life at times when we were in dangerous situations and we did not even realize it at the time. And when you think about on those times, you just say, 
thank you for the mercy of God. You know, I, I, you know, I know we've all been in some kind of situation where at the time you didn't realize you were in danger till later on or you began to study these things from the word and you began to remember different things and places you've been in your life and you think, man, you know, it was a grace of God I didn't get hurt there or I, I, the devil didn't take me out or something. Uh, you know, I didn't realize I was in a dangerous situation at that time. So it's the mercy of God that, that spared us. And we, we praise God for his mercy. But, you know, we've got, to, uh, we've got to become aware of our part and to make sure that we're doing our part. We have to say God will protect us. We have to believe and say that God will protect us and defend us. Now, we've all read this 91st Psalm many times, and this is actually a confession of faith. This whole psalm is a faith declaration, and that's why I put it on a PowerPoint uh, for us to declare. Um, we have to believe that God will defend me, God will deliver me, uh, and even if this bad thing happens to somebody else, a thousand falls at my side, it will not come near me. Amen? That's what we got to believe. Even though bad things happen around us and bad things happen to other people, we got to say and believe, it's not going to happen to me because I have a covenant with God and I'm doing my part. I'm acknowledging God as my God, my defender, my protector. Amen? And I'm putting faith in that. I'm putting faith in the fact that he's faithful to protect me. So when we are tempted to fear, when we hear bad news, uh, we don't say, oh, oh no, uh, oh, oh God, what, what are we going to do, you know? No, what we should say is God protects me, God protects my family, God protects my kids, amen? That's, that's the first thing that should come out of our mouth. So let's say again, God is my God. God is my God. Is my and God. I will trust him. And I, I will trust, trust him. So what are we trusting him about? That he will do what he says he will do right here in Psalm 91, that he will protect us. He will deliver us. He will honor us. He will rescue us. He will save us. This is what we're trusting him to do because we have his word. This is the Bible. We have his word. Verse 3 in the Good News translation says, He will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. Does that mean all deadly diseases except the Chinese virus? No. No. No, he didn't make any exceptions. All hidden dangers and all deadly diseases. What does all mean? All. All. Amen. Everything. Yeah, I don't care what translation you look it up in or how many Greek dictionaries, all means all. Verse 4 to 7 in the Good News. He will cover you with his wings. You will be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day 
or the plagues that strike in the dark, or the evils that kill in daylight. A thousand may fall dead beside you, ten thousand all around you, but you will not be harmed. That, that sounds almost like an atomic disaster or something, doesn't it? An atomic explosion where just mass thousands of people are wiped out at one time, except one believer, you standing there, you may have dust all over you and smoke all over you, but you say, I'm trusting in the Lord. Amen. He's, he's my deliverer. Hallelujah. So these are, all these declarations and confessions in Psalm 91, these are bold declarations by people who know their God. And this is a far cry from the doctrines of men you know, that say, well, you don't know, we don't always know what God will do, and it's, up, it's just up to Him. Is that what we're reading here in Psalm 91? No, not at all. Yet these, these, this is just religious hogwash, but it's popular in many Christian circles. God has given us His Word to say and believe in these perilous times. Verse 8, you will look and see how the wicked are punished. You have made the Lord your defender, the Most High your protector. So we have to make the Lord, not just our Savior. We have to make the Lord our protector, our defender, our fortress, our healer, our provider. And when you make the Lord your defender and protector, what can we expect? Verse 10 says, And no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Amen? Amen. Now that's good news if you live in a tough neighborhood. Amen? And you may, you may, you know, we may all think we live in a safe neighborhood, and obviously some neighborhoods are physically safer than others, but uh, especially, you know, even people that live in some of these war-torn countries and things like that, you, you know that the, the believers there, they have to, they have to stake their very lives on these promises of God. Amen. What a promise. Can we depend on the Word of God? Yes. Amen. And sadly, many Christians do not depend on God's Word. And this is a major problem. This is a major problem, and this is why many Christians believe that we are extreme because we actually believe the Word as it is written. We depend on it. I mean, we depend on it. And, uh, you know, some people, they believe it on Sunday, but Monday, it's a different deal, you know. But that's not us, and that's why we get accused of being extreme. We are extreme. We're extreme on the Word of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. One of the reasons uh, many Christians don't depend on the Word is because they believe their own experiences more than they believe God's Word. And this is a huge problem. It's a huge problem in the area of healing, especially. Uh, the truth is, 
And this is something that the news media doesn't, never talks about. At least 94% of all people who get this Chinese virus recover. Nine, uh, at least 94% of, of these people recover, even people on up in the higher age groups. What does the devil want us to think? He wants you to think that you're one of the 6% that won't recover. And that's what the news media hammers day in and day out. And, and they're peddling fear with it. They're peddling fear with it. And that's what they major on. You may be the 6% that doesn't recover. Uh, this says no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Who does this work for? The one who says... God is my God. God is my defender. God is my protector. In you I will trust. Let's say that again. God is my defender. God is my defender. God is my protector. God is my protector. In him I will trust. In him I will trust. Verse 11. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands to keep you from hurting your feet on the stones. Have you ever heard uh, testimonies where uh, somebody's driving down the road and all of a sudden uh, some car comes around the curb or something headed straight toward them, a head-on collision? And they said, Jesus, or, you know, and all of a sudden, they were on the other side of that car, and that car was behind them, and it, it, it never touched them. What happened? They got moved out of the way. Some angels moved them out of the way. Amen? I heard uh, Charles Capp's daughter tell a similar situation. She came over a hill one night, foggy and dark, and all of a sudden, there was a herd of cows in the middle of the road. Uh, and a same, same type experience. They, avoid, they, they just wound up on the other side of these cows somehow. Well, we know somehow. The angel moved them. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so this is what we can, uh, we can and should ex expect and believe and speak. Verse 13. You will trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. God says, I will save those who love me and protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. So how did this thing start out? He, he's, he started out saying that those who acknowledge God, those who, who live and abide, uh, in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord. You can see this theme recurring over and over, that we are acknowledging that He's our Lord. We're acknowledging He's our God. We're not putting our, you know, that doesn't mean that we don't take natural precautions and things like that, but ultimately we're putting our faith in God as our defender and our protector. Uh, we, we have to acknowledge this by saying it. And our words of faith 
give God something to work with. This is why uh, we say, I will say of the Lord, he's my protector, he's my healer, he's my provider. That's one of the reasons why saying the word is so important. We're giving God something to work with. Verse 15, when they call to me, I will answer them. When they are in trouble, I will be with them. I will rescue them and honor them. I will reward them with long life, and I will save them. Amen. Now let's, let's turn over to Deuteronomy, verse 32. Uh, you know, well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there, but God is a just God. He's fair. Uh, and just because God allows something does not mean it is his will for it to happen. And it does not mean that he caused it to happen. And unfortunately, many New Testament believers still have an Old Testament mentality because in the Old Testament, those people had very, very little knowledge about Satan, their enemy. And they had no authority over him, even if they'd known much about him, they had no authority over him. So there really wasn't much reason for God to give them revelation about Satan. But they believed that, that just everything that happened came from God because they knew about God and they didn't know much about the devil. So they just thought good things came from God, but bad things also came from God. And many New Testament believers still have this Old Testament mentality. God allows people to sin, but it's not his will. Why, why do people sin? It's not God's will because people have a will. We have a will. And this is what gets brushed aside, you know, in many of these conversations. Uh, we have a will. And we have to give God a legal right to protect us. And this is what many Christians also do not realize. Now, verse... I'm going to read verse 9 to verse 32, uh, chapter 32, verse 9 to 14. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because it's a lot easier than the King James here, and especially in the Old Testament, to understand. It says, For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. Like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young, so he spread his wings to take them up and carried them safely on his pinions. We know time after time God rescued and delivered and protected his people throughout the, the Old Testament, especially early on there when, when they came out of Egypt. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. 
Now that is a very important statement. This is why God was able to protect them, able to deliver them, able to defend them because they followed no other gods. They made God their God and he was their only God. And this gave God a legal right to protect them. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock, together with the fat of lambs. He gave them choice rams for Bashan and goats, together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. So what this is describing is the abundant provision and blessing of, and protection of God on his people uh, that acknowledge him and have no other gods. This is what God was able, this is why God was able to bless them because they had no other gods. Their eyes were on him. Verse 15, but, but, but Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. So they got used to this um, blessing, and uh, <laughs> they began to backslide, didn't they? <laughs> then, then they abandoned the God who had made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. Does this sound like some nations of the Western world? Yes, it does, doesn't it? Verse 28, but Israel is a senseless nation. The people are foolish without understanding. Oh, that they were wise and could understand this. Oh, that they might know their fate. In other words, oh, that they might understand what is the final outcome of pursuing this course. Of, turning, of abandoning God and turning to other gods. He's saying, would that they would understand. There's only one place this can lead to. Nations that forsake God, where is it going to end up? There's only one place it's going to end up. What about today? Prayer being taken out of school. Ten Commandments being taken out of the courthouses. Nativity scenes removed from the town square. Preachers that preach Jesus is the only way to be saved are threatened. Political parties formally and officially removing God out of their party platforms. Abortion on demand legalizing same-sex marriage. This is creating a godless society and there's only one outcome this can end up at. 
Removing God from all forms of public life and even what you can do in your own home. Does this have anything to do with God protecting us or not? Yes. Absolutely. It has everything to do with God's ability to protect us. Verse, I'm going to read verse 30 from the voice translation. How could one of their enemies pursue a thousand of them? And two of their enemies make 10,000 of them run away. How could two people, how could two, two soldiers cause an entire army to run away? Unless their rock had abandoned them, unless the eternal had handed them over. God removing, taking his hand of protection off. How could, a, how could a superior army, uh, a superpower, be defeated by a much smaller, weaker enemy in the natural? No way other than the fact that they didn't have God's protection. The rock abandoned them and the eternal one handed them over. How was it that the entire British army was defeated by a ragtag bunch of preachers and store owners in the American Revolution, the American War of Independence, because those store owners and those preachers made God their God, and they made God their pretender and protector and defender, and they acknowledged God. They appealed to heaven. That we, God, we came here for the express purpose to worship you freely. And that gave God a legal right to get involved and cause a bunch, a little group of store owners to defeat the entire British army because God was with them. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 37. Uh, then he will ask, this is God. God will ask, where are their gods? The rocks they fled to for refuge. God saying, okay, you abandoned me. Now you're in trouble. Where are your gods now to help you? You, you substituted other gods for me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not your source. I'm not your god. You, you substituted other gods. Why don't you ask them to help you? Why don't you, why don't you let the United Nations fix it? Let the World Health Organization deal with it. Amen? Ask your new gods to help you. That's what God said here. Every time there's a shooting in a school or a terrorist attack, what's the first thing you will hear people say? Why did God let this happen? That is not the right question. Some of you may remember uh, back in the 1990s, the Oklahoma City bombing. I, I don't, it was, you know, one of the first kind of major terrorist attacks. It was a domestic terrorist attack in America. And uh, I think 168 people were killed in this building in Oklahoma City that was bombed. 
and some of the intercessors in America began to seek God. God, why, why didn't we know about this? Why didn't you alert us that something was pending, something was on the horizon that we needed to pray about and, and ward off? Why didn't we have some warning about this so that we could have prevented it in intercession? And the answer the Lord gave them was this. He said, I couldn't do anything about it. He said that was a government building, and the government has kicked me out. I had no legal right to step in there and do anything about it. Can you kick God out of your life and nation and expect to still be protected? That's, that's what we're, we're learning here. The government is substituted for God. The NHS is substituted for God. The welfare system is substituted for God. Psalm 91 verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, He's my defender, my protector. I will trust in Him. Now we can go to the doctor without trusting in them. Amen? Their word is not the final word. Hallelujah. But we're living in a society now where, where they're, the government, they're just, uh, every media, business, the whole gamut, they're, they're on a mission to eradicate God out of society. And it only can lead to one place. We're not looking to science or government bureaucrats to protect us in perilous times. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. All they know how to do is to throw money at something. And there's not enough money in the world to fix what needs to be fixed. Only God, only God can turn these things around. Individuals and nations must make God their God and turn from other gods. And this is what we've got to pray for in this country. Amen? Amen. Uh, you will often hear somebody say, well, we're all God's children. That is not true. Everybody in the world is not a child of God. Everyone in the world is not a child of God. Yeah. Nancy says you've got to choose. Every person's got to make God their God and their Savior. And uh, for those who have not made God their God at this time, God is not responsible for protecting them. Now, you know, we can pray for our, in our families, we can pray and we can pray protection over our families till they get saved, amen? Because we, we got some authority in those areas. But uh, these people that just say, well, you know, uh, we're all God's children and, and uh, this is why people come up with these people that don't know God come up with these things. Why did God let this happen to me? Well, God's not responsible for protecting them if, if they don't know God, if they're not in his family. If you're a parent, you know, you understand this. You're not responsible for every child in England. You're not responsible for what happens to every child in England. You're, you're only held responsible for your children, your family. You know, if you're, um, 
if you get your car bent up in a little accident, uh, if you call up legal and general insurance and say, when, when are you going to fix my car? And they say, well, do you have a policy with us? And you say, no. They're saying, we don't know you. <laughs> we, we're not going to fix your car because, yeah, you, we don't know you. You don't have a policy with us. We're not responsible for fixing your car. And, and you say, well, you, you, you know, you're an insurance company, aren't you? Don't you fix people's cars? Well, if they have a policy with us, we do, but we don't fix everybody's cars. So this is, this is the way God set it up. This is the way God set it up. And in the business world, we refer to these things as a policy, an insurance policy or a contract. In the Bible, it's called a covenant. Those who are in covenant with God through the new birth uh, have give God the legal right. God has the legal right to protect them and to provide for them and to heal them and so forth. But it's not just automatic for everybody. If people don't have a covenant with God through the blood of Jesus and they aren't a child of God, he's not responsible for protecting them. And there are millions of people on the planet who don't know God. They have not made Jesus their Lord. They have no interest in him being their Lord. And as soon as something bad happens, they're shaking their fist at God, blaming him or expecting him to fix it. God set it up that if people are not submitted to him and they don't believe in him, he doesn't have a legal right to help them and protect them. And this is what people don't understand, especially unbelievers. They don't understand that this is the way God set it up. There are thousands of Christians that uh, Believe in God. You have to be born again. Yeah. Nancy says you got to be born again. you got to be in the family. you got to choose to be in the family. And when you're in the family, you get the family protection. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, there are many Christians that love God, but they're not submitted to anything or anybody. No church, no ministry. They don't want anybody telling them anything. It's just them and Jesus, you know, uh, and they want counseling all the time, and, uh, you know, they can't understand why God didn't do this, why he let this happen to them and all this, and part, this is part of the problem. They're not, they're not submitted to God, uh, and, and God set it up that we have to uh, be part of the body of Christ, Amen. We can't just hang out there uh, by ourselves. Amen. So that's one of the reasons we have these meetings. Amen. Praise God. Now let's turn uh, to, to Judges for a minute. We'll just look at one more example here. Judges 10. Judges 10, uh, verse 6, 
And the children of Israel did evil again. Again. In the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zion, Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served him not. And the Lord understood that people are weak and ignorant and he protected them anyway. Is that what it says? We don't know where you are. We're in Judges chapter 10. Judges chapter 10, verse 6. No, when the people worshipped other gods and they turned away, God didn't say, well, I understand that you're weak and you're ignorant and I'll just protect you anyway. No, it says God was angry. God was angry that they turned, turned away. And it goes on to say, He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the hands of the children of Ammon. So God allowed their enemies to overtake them. God removed his hand of protection. It's like an umbrella of protection. Uh, you know, Deuteronomy 28 starts out, if, if you keep my word and my statutes and so forth, all these blessings will come on you. And then over in about verse 15, it says, but if you don't keep my word and my statutes, all these curses will come upon you. Well, God wasn't sending the curses on them. He didn't cause the curses to come on them. The devil put the curse here. And as long as they obeyed God and made him their God, they lived under this umbrella uh, of protection. God's hand covered them and, and kind of like a, a chicken, you know, covered the, gathered the chicks under their wings and protected them as long as they kept the word. Well, in that respect, the same is true for us. You know, that's as long as we keep the word and um, we're acknowledging God and we're living for God and we're not turning away from God and we're not living in sin, this kind of thing, we can expect to live under the blessing and under God's covenant protection. Amen. But, as you can see here, and what happened to the Israelites over and over throughout the Old Testament, whenever they turned away from God um, and abandoned God, it opened the door for the devil to come in. And this is what happens when, when, when people or nations or businesses or churches or whatever begin to reject God. Uh, it opens the door for the devil. And the devil comes in and people say, why did God let this happen? God had nothing to do with it. This is the enemy. It gives the devil a legal right to come into their lives with the curse. And this is what people need to understand. You remember in Matthew 23, 37, Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, 
and ye would not. Did their rejection of Jesus limit what Jesus could do for them? Yes. Yes. And people that, that reject God and nations and governments and individuals, it limits what God can do for them, even though it's his will. Even though it's his will. What's the beginning of experiencing God's protection? Psalm 91, 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my defender. Let's say that again. He is my refuge. He is my refuge. He is my defender. He is my protector. He is my protector. In Him I will trust. In Him I will trust. We need God's protection because without Him, the world is a dangerous place to live in. And I'm not talking about this to put fear into you. I want to generate faith. Amen? I want to generate faith in God's um, desire to protect us. And, and our part of acknowledging God and saying what God says and saying that God's my protector and my defender and... and being aware of our part in this process. Uh, I'm just going to uh, quickly read here, uh, skip over a little bit in this story. Uh, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. They, they realized they goofed up here again. Uh, we've, have, we've sinned against thee, both because we've forsaken our God and we served Balaam, and the Lord reminded them, didn't I deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from, the, from Ammon and from the Philistines, uh, the Zidonians, the Amalekites, the Mayanites did oppress you. You cried out to me and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. So all this push to eradicate God from society and government and schools and businesses can only lead to one place. And that's having our enemies have power over us. And that's kind of, that's what we're looking at it at the moment but praise God people people of God have it took I, I think I read this uh, correctly here I think 18 years went by before these people before these people cried out to God uh, and it's been about 50 years I guess since you know that that the church has been asleep at the wheel or got in the back seat and let the devil drive and um, now we've got our backs against the wall with with uh, all the the government news media all these people wanting to eradicate God from everything and now we're beginning people of God are beginning to repent they're beginning to see where this has led to they're beginning to wake up. They're beginning to pray and, and turn to God. There are probably more Christians praying right now 
in, in individually and in big groups of people than in many, many years. So we believe, you know, uh, God's uh, doing a new thing, uh, something good. This is, this is the beginnings of, uh, of, of a revival that will change the culture. That's what, if, if you're in a true revival, it will change the culture. It will change the education system. It will change the government. It will change the, the uh, business world. It will change the news media. It will change the business world. If a true revival doesn't just have a little movement over here and a few hundred or thousand people get saved and in a few months it fizzles out. That's not a revival. A revival will change the culture. And that's how we'll know when we've had a revival, when the culture changes. But even in the midst of, of all this darkness and this push to eradicate God out of society, uh, God will honor our faith. He will honor our individual faith because we want God in everything. We want him in all of our activities. We want him in our lives. We have not rejected God. We have not abandoned God. Uh, we have made the Lord our protector and our fortress. And we can say, a thousand shall fall at my side and 10,000 at thy right hand at my right hand, but it won't happen to me. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Because we, we honor God. We acknowledge Him. So even though if the world is a hold, at the moment is not, God will honor our faith individually. And we can be kept safe. And we can be protected, even in the midst of uh, violence and crime and, and uh, all this evil going around in the world around us. Amen? So let's say this together. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in chariots. But we will remember the name but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Of the Lord our God. I don't want God out. I don't want God out. I want him in every part of my life. I want him in every part of my life. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. You are my refuge. You are my refuge. You are my defender. You are my defender. You are my protector. You are my protector. I will trust you. I will trust, trust you to protect me, to protect my kids, to protect my family, to protect my job and business. To protect my work and business. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.